1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fagg. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Bryn Forbes, question mark? It's looking like a real possibility. You know, a quick little free agent preview. Obviously, we dropped a ton of off-season content already. You can find a guard preview, forward, center. We just recapped the draft. Obviously, a lot of different stuff. But we're in about, I guess, 24 hours from when this drops. We're going to really start seeing rumors pick up. Monday evening, free agency technically starts it probably has been going on for a couple of weeks at this point. But, Jack, still plenty of Nets news to talk about. And before we jump into that, as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do you want to start today?
2: Let's start with Mr. Dinwiddie. Spencer, the rumors are floating around plenty, Nick. I've added about 4 million links to this Google Doc. And it started with, you know, Dinwiddie being linked to the Pelicans with Eric Pincus. He's looking for a $125 million deal. Then there's talk about... You know, Washington Wizards after losing Russell Westbrook and the the links there. Obviously, there was the sign and trade, which Sean Marks apparently rejected from the uh, Los Angeles Lakers in terms of uh, Montrezl Harrell and Kyle Kuzma. So, look, I'm finding it hard to keep up with this dude. But ultimately, it seems more and more likely that Spencer did when he has played his last game as a Brooklyn net.
1: I agree, Jack. I think especially because we saw the rumors about the Washington sign and trade with specifics being mentioned, you know, that's something that kind of always pops up. And then, like you said, rumors of so many different teams. And we just recorded a podcast with Corey Waldron on the outlet talking about how Spencer might arguably be the best point guard on the market because of his age, the potential of him entering his prime and what he can bring to a team in so many different roles. And it just seems like the Nets are going to be kind of outmatched in terms of how much money is going to be offered to Spencer. And I think a sign and trade probably makes sense for both parties in the sense because it seems like Spencer also wants a bigger role somewhere, have more of an impact. If he's on the Nets. He's going to be, you know, the fourth fiddle at best. And he's going to probably be in a smaller six man role than what he was in the past. So sign and trade for the Nets and for Dinwiddie probably ends up making the most sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's seen been links with the Toronto Raptors, and yep. look, they've got a lot of nice pieces on their roster, which I wouldn't mind adding to, to the Brooklyn Nets either. So, But at the same time, Nick, if you think, if you're Sean Marks, and I think a lot of other fans are probably in this realm as well, if there isn't an adequate return in a sign-and-trade uh, in, in terms of a player, are you happy just uh, taking that trade exception and, and dragging it into, you know, whether you want to enjoy Harris trade in the future or whatever, and sort of using that as a a tool to make moves in then in the coming years
1: yeah i think getting a draft pick isn't the worst thing i think ideally you'd at least try to fight for a late first round pick or heavily protected or some type of swap just to give you another asset but i think the trade exception is not the end of the world considering it'll be relatively large and the nets are going to probably look to make moves at the deadline so i think that's a good idea jack obviously i think in the best world the nets keep spencer Dinwiddie, and a lot of fans want that they want josiah to spend the money I'm just not sure how likely that is, especially like with what I mentioned. I think Spencer wants a bigger opportunity and that's just not gonna happen in Brooklyn.
2: No, not at all. And I think that he's as good as gone and, you know, we'll probably dive deep into, you know, his tenure as a Brooklyn net on a on a coming episode, but he's done a lot for this franchise and it'll be interesting to see where he does land because the rumors continue to swirl around and it's almost Hard to keep up with, but uh, another rumor that uh, started swirling around, you know, earlier this this morning, I guess uh, American time, Eastern Eastern coast East Coast time, was that Jake Fisher of Ble- uh, Bleacher Report reported, Bryn Forbes parting ways with Milwaukee after not playing in the last three games of the finals. League sources have said that the Brooklyn Nets are believed to be a leading candidate for him. Look. If this means we lose Jeff Green, keep Bryn Forbes away from the Brooklyn Nets franchise. But I guess in a vacuum, discounting the the Jeff Green possibility, and they're saying that you know four to six million is you know the the sort of market for Bryn Forbes, which is you know the taxpayer mid level exception sort of money that the Nets do have uh, on their on their hands right now. I guess Bryn Forbes replacing Landry Shamet, Nick. You know, question in in relation to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you look at it from that perspective. Kind of just touching on what you said if the nets pay brent forbes the full taxpayer mid-level exception i think that's a mistake obviously i think if there's a world where i think maybe this makes a little bit more sense and i've been trying to wrap my head around this rumor all day is maybe they split up the taxpayer mid-level exception which is unlikely not the most normal thing to happen in the nba but they give essentially you know 2.9 million to forbes and 3 million to jeff green not out of the realm of possibility or something along those lines, or maybe Forbes just comes for the vet minimum because he thinks he can get more playing time in Brooklyn. I think one of the way, one of the reasons, like you mentioned, Jack, with that he left Milwaukee was he didn't play in the last three games of the finals. Obviously an undersized defender doesn't defend really much at all. The Nets picked on him. We saw that in the playoffs, but he is a lethal shooter. He is a guy that can get hot, give you that 10 point burst in a matter of 60 seconds. So there are pros to his game. And like you said, kind of replacing some of that Shamit role or even just kind of competing with Cam Thomas to get into that role or just providing a whole different aspect for the team because of what he can do. I mean, Forbes in a vacuum makes sense because he's a scoring pop off the bench. But then when it comes to the postseason, how much can he really play? Obviously, the Bucks did play him, but in certain situations, they were forced to keep him on the bench. So taxpayer-made level exception would be an L for Sean Marks. I don't think that's the route he's going. I think it's more likely vet minimum or... Partial taxpayer mid-level exception because it just does If it doesn't make that much sense to you and I, I doubt it makes sense to Sean Marks.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, outscoring Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is uh, no mean feat, Nick. You know, but you know, I, do- I doubt that uh, Bryn Forbes is going to be doing that as a as the Brooklyn net. And you know, we get a facsimile of what Landry Shaman did provide us. But yeah, he was. A lethal last year from the printer, forty-five point two percent, and is a career, you know, forty-one point set, forty-point three percent three-point shooter. So look, I, I understand why the Nets would have interest in him. You know, for the right price, it, it makes sense. But that's all it does because you don't uh, the the the, the skill set that Forbes does have and what he does provide a team is not what the Nets wants in terms of postseason success. if there's injuries throughout the season and you know joe harris goes down or or whatever else yeah you might rely on Brent forbes a little bit more but you know he 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 is unplayable probably by the time that we do are talking about the nets in in a final series fingers and toes crossed because especially in a switching scheme exactly exactly because you know the nets exact did the exact thing that would happen to him again from an opposing side so the game plan is already out on Brent Forbes, but yeah, you you can't deny the fact that if you have an elite skill, you're going to have some place in this league. And he has elite three-point shooting. It's just, can he do anything else? And what else can he provide? Is he just a rotation piece? So, look, uh, I don't hate it adding into the rotation of the roster, but overall, you know, it's it doesn't necessarily enthuse me to the level of. You know Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown. You know those are the those are the guys that I care more about, to be honest. And you know even Paddy Mills. Uh, you know yep. um, obviously that but with the the home bias that i do have there but yeah we'll see how it does all play out i guess Nick.
1: i will say one more thing about forbes too is he's a good jump shooter in general like he can shoot middies too you know what i mean kind of give you somewhat of a different element but the size is what really hurts him and he's just so undersized where it's just really hard to envision him playing a crucial role in a deep postseason
2: run like you said jack absolutely Nick, Kevin Duran, who is, we'll get to him a little bit at the end of the episode as well, was asked about, you know, the the free agency and, and the re-signing and extensions of the big three. And he was asked, you know, what are the factors that would go into that decision? And he said this, it was pretty forthright. He said, <clears throat> you like being in that environment, first of all. You enjoy playing the game. That's the most important thing. I think we also enjoy playing with each other. That's the personal thing, and guys are different. I'm sure when the time is right, I'm sure we'll all make the right decision for ourselves. The right decision, Kevin, is staying in Brooklyn. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, I think it's promising. You know, I think you look at it from an optimistic perspective. It's kind of the right thing. They all kind of do what they have to do to get to this position and play together. It would be kind of crazy for them to separate so quickly, you would think. You would think they'd want to, you know, spend more time together, especially if they have a really, really successful year and they win a championship. It, you would envision this team trying to win multiple championships and having a potential dynasty, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibilities. It's just kind of a matter of health, really. So it kind of points things in a positive direction, which in I think we both were kind of already leaning towards.
2: Yeah. I mean I I, I like you sort of mentioned I was gonna ask you, you know, does this make you more enthused and more optimistic about the the, the big three starting some extensions in, in this post in this offseason, sorry. And and for me, you know, the answer is yes to answer I guess my own question, because you know, Kevin Durant doesn't put things out there for the sake of putting things out yep. there. You know, whenever he's speaking to, to media or reporters or on a podcast or whatever, he is generally pretty measured and honest and calculated with what he says. So this is pretty positive signs and you know, obviously there is it's it's unlikely to see them head elsewhere and it's hard to envision them, you know, not being booked on nets for the next couple of seasons. Uh, because of what is being said and the fact that they do, you know, all the things that Kevin Durant mentioned in his quote are like, yeah, they do enjoy playing together. Yeah, there's a good, the, the, the environment is great. Sean Marks caters to his whims and he you know, gets teammates left, right and center for him to, to add to the roster. So look, I, I think that we are going to see the extension sooner rather than later and I look forward uh, to that day.
1: Yeah, and I think, like you said, Jack, they've really kind of catered to Kevin Durant. I'm not sure other franchises have done that to an extent. Obviously, that wasn't really the case in Golden State. It was more so Steph Curry's team, and they were, you know, not saying not trying to make Kevin Durant unhappy or anything like that, but it's not like he was their number one priority. So I think in Brooklyn, you see some of the difference in some of the moves they've made, and even one of the moves we'll talk about today.
2: Yeah, and, and look, I, I, everyone just wants to feel wanted, Nick you know, at the end of the day, you know, you want to feel a little bit special. And look, Kevin Durant yeah. is as, as special as they come. But, you know, we just all like getting the compliment every now and then. We like, you know, have working with our buddies and, and doing all this fun stuff. And, you know, Kevin Durant's been doing that. And, you know, it's part of the reason why probably he produced such a, an historic post-season, post-season yeah. run because of the environment that Brooklyn has cultivated there. And look, hopefully it's uh, bigger and better things to come in 2021-22. It's Man, I'm I'm looking forward to when we're doing this podcast yeah. in the goddamn 2030s because this is already annoying saying you know, <laughs> 2020, 2021. Uh, yeah. Nick, in in saying that, uh, we have some more news and we didn't get a chance to get to this, but a couple of days ago, uh, we saw lead assistant Mike D'Antoni depart the Brooklyn Nets, stepping down. Um, I guess to focus on you know, whether it's head coaching possibilities or or whatever else it might be, but. What do you think Mike D'Antoni's absence means, I guess, for the Brooklyn Nets franchise?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he played a crucial role. If this happened like midseason last year, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But the fact that Nash got the full year with D'Antoni, a lot of the other assistants did. I think they're able to pick up a lot of his principles and different things. And some of the just the little nuances that, you know, an experienced head coach like himself would would have. I think, you know, obviously it'll be a loss on the staff to have that type of experience, but I think the Nets should be able to manage, and I feel a lot better about the departure given Nash has a full year of experience and some other experienced head coaches on his staff, one being Jacques Vaughn. So, um, you know, shout out to Antonio because I thought it was awesome, and when he signed with the Nets in the first place as an assistant, one of, you know, probably the best, NBA head coaches over the last 20 years. Like he's a guy that's had a lot of success. He hasn't necessarily won the championship, but part of a lot of great teams. And I think for him, you know, I was kind of a little surprised when he took the job last year. I thought maybe he'd take a little bit longer break, just, you know, the wear and tear of an NBA season and stuff like that. And I feel like that's more so what it is for Dan Tony. It's like, all right, you know, I'm up there in age. I want to take a break, especially if he's taking on a new gig next season it's gonna obviously be depleting for you. So take advantage of the time while you have it. And it's not like the Nets desperately need him to be on staff, to be the team that they were.
2: No doubt, you know, time is time is money. Time is as valuable a resource as any, you know, just watch yep. uh, the Loki series on Disney Plus. <laughs> um, we know about that. Uh, but I will, I'll I'll quote Steve Nash and what he said uh, upon the departure of Mike D'Antoni. He said, I would like to thank Mike for everything he did for me, as well as our organization over the past year. Having Mike next to me was invaluable as I navigated my first season as a head coach. I will be forever grateful for his guidance and will carry on a lifetime of lessons for many years we've spent together. Our players and staff all benefited from his time in Brooklyn and we, and we wish Mike, Laurel and their family the very best in what lies ahead. Nick, I, I guess do you, there's, a lot, there's some people who I guess are, are down on the departure and sort of like you know that Mike, Don, Mike D'Antoni was the proxy head coach. Do you think Steve Nash is going to be able to hold up on his own with the you know losing his his former mentor and head coach in Dan Tony? Can Steve Nash stand on his own two feet?
1: Yeah, you know I think Steve has proven enough in his NBA career that he should be fine. I think he's got a good enough NBA mind, and like I said, he still has some great coaches on his staff. And it's not like Dan Tony won't be a resource for Nash. It's not like he's not somebody he could call and reach out to and be like you know ask him for advice on a certain situation. But again, I feel like Nash has the year under his belt. And I think year two is where you really see coaches kind of take that next step. And under now it's not like learning on the fly. It's more of like experimenting with different things and understanding what to anticipate through a full NBA season. And I think we're going to see a better version of Nash this year, regardless of D'Antoni being there or not. If you love listening to the Brooklyn Buzz, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you get it all for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen, talk to us about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join.
2: That's it. And look, they've made an addition, and the addition is Brian Keith, who is going to be joining the uh, Brooklyn Nets coaching staff, uh, filling the vacancy left by Mike D'Antoni. You know, he's been an assistant in Thunder for the, for the OKC uh, in New York and the Lakers, has a history uh, with Kevin Durant uh, as well. Nick, what do you think of uh, Brian Keefe joining the, the staff in Brooklyn?
1: Yeah, I love it just because of the connection to Kevin Durant and James Harden, and just kind of adding another guy to that staff that has relationships across the board. And we talked about that a lot last offseason, how all these connections can make communication easier. And you know, KD loves this guy. KD has given this guy a ton of credit for his MVP season and what he's done in the NBA. And I believe he was one of the candidates as well for the OKC job last year. So this is a guy that does have experience and. He's looking to kind of take that next step. And I think in Brooklyn, you know, it's going to be good for him to switch up with a championship team that he hasn't necessarily coached in a while, being in OKC. And I think, you know, Nash can take some things from him too. You know, anybody that's been around the league and as in a coaching perspective is going to have some different avenues where they can kind of give you tips or little notes on things, especially because he was in the West.
2: Yeah, and and I think that, yeah, I think that that's the big thing you mentioned, Nick, that the fact that he was a he was a finalist before Mark Dagnol um, was hired as the the coach in OKC. So, you know, he is essentially head coach, you know, level. He is on that stature. And, you know, obviously, you know, Jacques Vaughan is as well. So you're you're replacing Mike D'Antoni with a guy who is, you know, has uh has some pretty decent credentials behind him yep. as well. So I think that then the Brooklyn Nets coaching staff has filled out nicely depending on what they do. You know, obviously, you know, M.A. Yudoka and um, what he's doing in Boston and, and such and, and what, what the hell the Nets defense. I'm, I'm intrigued to see if there are any different ideas that are brought to the table now with, with new names, and new faces in terms of what they do on the court or, or what are the principles, you know, remain sound from this season in terms of the the switching scheme and, and the defensive principles and the emphasis on, on gang rebounding and, and team rebounding. Or you know the offense, you know the the predicated on ball movement, or, or whether it's you know there are you know some minor minor tweaks ha- that do happen in the off season. It'll be intriguing to see. But you know I'm I'm all for new voices and especially ones that have the the expertise behind them that these guys do.
1: Yeah, and I think, like again, like the fact that Kevin Durant loves him is pretty big and pretty important to what we just talked about with the extensions and kind of catering to him and making sure he's happy and also just getting a guy that superstars like. You know, there's a reason that Kevin Durant likes this guy.
2: <laughs> no doubt at all. Nick, we got some uh, controversy with Kyrie Irving. Now, it wouldn't be a, a Brooklyn Boys podcast if we didn't discuss Kyrie Irving controversy, but the Kyrie 8s, which dropped somewhere I don't know that was on Instagram but Kyrie responded to the you know he's the the drop that he wasn't unbeknownst to and he said I have nothing to do with the design or marketing of the upcoming hashtag Kyrie Kyrie 8 in my opinion these are trash I have absolutely nothing to do with them Nike plans to release it without my okay regardless of what I say so I apologize in advance to all my sneakerheads and true supporters of the hashtag Kai 11 brand. Nick, they are pretty trash, let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we haven't seen all color schemes and things along those lines. Not great, but I will say this, like I love Kyrie Irving, but if there's something in his contract where this is allowed to happen, you know it's allowed to happen so as much as he might hate it and we don't really know all the details of the situation obviously i love kyrie and what he does on the court but if you sign a contract you sign a contract especially when it comes to business type stuff so it sucks that they're not you know agreeing and seeing eye to eye and doing these terms but at the end of the day nike's all about money we know that we've known that for a long time that's why they're one of the biggest companies in the world so it sucks but this is the type of thing that is a little bit too regular in what you see with some of these celebrity endorsement deals where the company is really just using your name even if it's not in the way that you want it to and like i said it sucks but that's just kind of the way things work sometimes
2: but I mean, if they are all about money, shouldn't they be aligning themselves to, you know, Kyrie Irving has the one of the best-selling brands of shoes. You know, they're incredibly affordable. I've got two pairs myself, and I'm looking to invest in a third pair. Certainly not getting the eighth, let's put it that way, but I'm, I'm definitely going to be getting a third pair. They're my favorite pair of shoes. i got the ones and the twos, or the ones and the threes. You know, they're, they're, they're good. They're casual. You know, there's some awesome colorways. You know, we know the SpongeBob ones, the goddamn fire. And, and Kyrie Irving... Has an invest has had an investment in the creative process through all of the the brands of his shoes, all of the um, you know uh, ignations of of his shoes. So I'm in mean, I'm intrigued to see how this all pans out because look, if they do drop these eights and Kyrie Irving has put what he has out there, are they going to sell? Like that's the thing because what I think people, they still will. But what do people buy Kyrie Irving shoes for? Do they buy them? For the the comfort and the style of the shoe, do they buy them for the comfort and style of the shoe as well as the allegiance to you know Kyrie Irving, the player? Because I know when I buy you know I, I make any investment in in an NBA or or sports you know apparel, especially when it comes to basketball stuff, it's about okay. Um, I bought like a a Kyrie Irving and a Kevin Durant tee because you know in the postseason I'm like I want to support my guys, and I got a Nike tee that has like a it's like a rookie style Nike shirt of the of theirs. And, and I think that if you don't have this affiliation and, and I think that this could be interesting because we know Kyrie Irving is an independent thinker and the way that he sort of uh, he moves to the beat of his own drum and you know he said like you know that you know the NBA we could have our our own league. He could have he could have his own like independent shoe line if he wanted to. You know, he has the cachet, he has the brand, he certainly has the popularity to be able to do that. Now I'm I'm just fascinated to see what the next steps are. I guess, in the rollout of these infamous Kyrie A's.
1: Yeah, honestly, I think a lot of it really depends on the agreement and the contract in which they have in place. I mean, I think that they'll still make money. Um, Like you said, it could be lesser, though, if you don't have the support of Kyrie Irving. I think some people buy the shoes just for pure basketball. Like, they don't even like Kyrie Irving, but they like the shoe because it's the best one that suits them for their play. And then there's obviously people who love Kyrie. And there's also just sneakerheads. Obviously, I don't think Kyries are like sneakerhead heavy but like i'm sure some guys are like you know i want every kyrie irving or something along those lines i think there was probably just some disconnect in the creative process whatever it might be i'm not saying whoever was wrong or right but maybe they can get it figured out for the kyrie 9 and you know it's not necessarily an amazing look for nike either especially you know if there's other contracts out there or maybe you know kyrie tries to sign a deal with adidas or you know another brand
2: yeah i think that What happens next is what I'm most intrigued about. And I'll be uh, watching with a a bated breath. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see. But Nick, more importantly, Kyrie Irving continues to be one of the great human beings on Earth. His philanthropy we've spoken about and and given credit for, you know, time and time again. um, And he continues to step up. Kyrie Irving, apparently, Nick, according to uh, Ali Khan uh, Bijani, he built a pani solar center in pakistan with his uh, kai family foundation the center is apparently providing over a thousand villages access to clean healthy water yeah, You ain't hearing that on espn nick
3: yeah
1: no 100 percent. you really didn't see anything about this uh you saw more news about the sneaker thing and Kyrie changing his agent and things along those lines no one really cared to mention you know the good deeds the guy does and obviously people don't like him for whatever reason um, but he still does a lot of great things for a lot of people off the court that deserves more respect and appreciation because it's not like a one-time thing for him. This is something he consistently
2: does. Real G's move in silence like lasagna. <laughs> little Wayne has said it. He's a prophet. Uh, but in, in saying that, Nick, you know, you brought up a, a point that I, I forgot to put in my doc. Normally, I'm pretty goddamn prepared with these things. Do you think that there is any significance in Kyrie Irving you know, leaving Rock Nation?
1: Honestly, I was going to ask you if you thought there was any correlation with it being connected to the Nike deal. I, I mean, I don't know the details of all these things, but I would assume it has some type of impact. Um, or it could be simply, you know, Kyrie not being happy with his agent, looking at a different guy, representing himself. There's a million different avenues in the report, which happened on first take. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, you are kind of like unsure what the details are, the reasoning behind it. And we really didn't get much of that. And obviously on first take, that's not where you're going to get real good information. I'm not saying the report is false, like definitely his agent, but we don't have any idea on the reasoning behind it.
2: I think what is significant is the timing, Nick, because he is now, you know, due like we spoke at the start of this podcast, you know, for a, a pretty a pretty hefty extension, and you know that is when the agents want to be there because you know you're getting that ten percent or whatever it is, and ten percent of what $200 a two hundred million dollars is a pretty goddamn nice payday for whatever agency and affiliation is there. So look. Who is it going to be? Clutch, CIA? I have no idea. You know, there's only a certain, a couple agencies that I know maybe about. Maybe Rich
1: Climbing adds him.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: maybe Rich Kleiman adds him to, to the staple, um, you know, with 35 Ventures. I, I honestly have no idea, but this is, the, the, the things that are happening behind the scenes with Kai um, are certainly fascinating because he is a, a person that likes to have control uh, of his own you know narrative of, of his own you know his own career and he deserves that given everything that he has done for this game um so what happens next in terms of you know the his shoes as well as his agency um, it's going to be intriguing to see the the next steps because you know does he make a, a signing before having an agent well it seems unlikely um, does he go down the Spencer Dimity and represent himself or maybe he has a, a family member? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to, of that. You know, uh, I think that Kai is, a, is the guy that's going to make a decision that is best for himself and the best for his family um, and I think that that's what he's doing right now because obviously he's got a, a, a kid on the way and with his partner. So I think he's getting all of his his apples in order. I think that's how the saying goes. He's getting all of his affairs in order so that he's got a, a long and fruitful future for him, his family, and, and the generations to come uh, in the Irving family.
1: Yeah, I agree, Jack. And obviously Kyrie's a very unique person, so I'm not going to try to predict his next step because it could be something just we have no idea. So just kind of wait and see with Kyrie.
2: Something we don't need to predict, Nick, is the greatness of Kevin Durant. And yes. last night against the Czech Republic, Kevin Durant became the greatest scorer in US men's Olympic history, overtaking Carmelo Anthony. Nick, what is the, how important is this achievement in a, a long list of achievements for uh, Kevin Durant, who has a resume that's as, you know, long as his wingspan?
1: Yeah, I think it means a lot to Kevin Durant uh, playing for Team USA. He easily could have opted out this year coming off a torn Achilles from two seasons ago, logged a ton of minutes in the playoffs the most any players logged in a series since himself against the Bucks team. So, and obviously the disappointment and all that, and he's still elected to go to Team USA and really has been, you know, the key to that team. He's been their best player majority of the time, or at least their most consistent one. So, you know having KD have this achievement i think it means a lot to him you know i don't know how long it's going to last but simply something else to add to the resume something that's really been hyped up for carmelo anthony obviously kevin durant is you know a better all-time player than Melo, but that's been something that's kind of helped elevate mellow in a lot of these all-time conversations no reason it can't do the same for Kevin Durant. Obviously, the impact's not as great, but it's still like a little nudge up like, hey, look what this guy did for his country in a different form of basketball. Obviously, it's not the NBA. It's not drastically different, but it has its different details and the different opponents and things like that. So it's just kind of awesome to see and just happy he plays for the Brooklyn Nets and see his continued success.
2: Definitely, yeah. I, we know, you know, the U.S. men's basketball team as a as an entity, as a brand, is one of yep. the the great sports teams Ever, you know, thanks to the 1992 Dream Team and the the legacy that they have left, and and the legacy that you know the the men's team wants to continue to leave, and and Kevin Durant has left a greater legacy than anyone, you know, based yep. off the the points that he has accumulated, and you know he's left a legacy in in so many forms of basketball, and I just love this response, and I'm loving this version of Kevin Durant as he is aging into his 30s and you know finding a level of comfort within his place, you know, in in the NBA and basketball world, you know, Jason Tatum was you know beside him as he was doing the post-game interview and he's like you know this guy to the left of me is probably going to break the record I'm just like I love the 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 nature of you know guys like LeBron and KD now sort of like you know passing the baton and and realizing you know what my impact now is not about you know my individual accolades and the individual records on my resume you know how am I going to impact this next generation and Jason Tatum is a really really special player we saw that in the postseason. you know he dragged the, the Boston Celtics to an unlikely win against our Brooklyn Nets but you know, I just think that Kevin Durant is continuing to do great things for the game, and I think that he's—it's going to go beyond basketball. You know, the, what he's doing in in the locker rooms, you know, in Tokyo as well as uh, with the Brooklyn Nets, um, he is uh, a great basketballer and a great mentor to to all basketballers uh, that he has come across.
1: I'd say this, too, is Kevin Durant feels like a guy that maybe has been disrespected at time by old timers or people not appreciating his game. And I think he's really hated that. And so the way he reacted is, I'm going to promote these young kids. I'm going to hype them up and I'm going to help them be the best versions of themselves. Like he's zero percent salty. And also just another quick note, 2008 KD, he was either rookie or was the second year and he didn't make the Olympic team. And so that kind of sucks for him because that would have been another opportunity for him to even achieve more and add more to his resume. And I think even a lot of people, I saw some tweets about it today, like he was, she was the best player in camp and he didn't make the team. So Kevin Durant uh, could have even have a bigger Team USA resume if you got the respect at a young
2: age. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a little bit disappointing for them when Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, and Matisse Theibel. Matisse Theibel's going to lock him down. We saw the exhibition games.
1: Oh, my God. I'm
2: kicking kick, you off right? the buzz right now. I'm ending this call. <laughs> Just wait for it, mate. Team USA, they're, they're vulnerable. And our boomers knocking down Germany undefeated in the group stages. Unlike you, American lads, losing to goddamn even Fournier and Rudy Gobert for France.
1: We'll see what happens at the end, Jack. We'll see what happens. But, uh, if, if you're rooting against kevin durant i don't know i'm gonna have to let him know i thought you guys were
2: boys so uh it, look look he's too busy responding to all these other you know he's he responds to saltiness more than in response to you know pro- positivity in, yeah. in that regard but you know the, it, he still actually has done that but look matey stiebel is basically an american anyway um, but the only <laughs> he spends so much time on damn tiktok <laughs> hey, and uh and, and the, the vlogs on youtube are great I, i'm yep. If we could get Matisse Stival in the Brooklyn Nets, uh, I'd prefer him to Ben Simmons, to be honest. But in, in saying that, Nick, free agency is, by the time this episode drops, you know, we could hear some even more rumours. It seems to happen quite a bit when we uh, finish episodes. But what do you have a prediction, I guess, for, for free agency in the coming days, whether it surrounds you know Spencer Dinwiddie or Jeff Green or another player joining um, the, the black and white? Uh, what are your thoughts as uh, free agency uh, is nigh?
1: Yeah, I'll lock some things in. I think Blake Griffin being back is a lock. I'd be extremely surprised if he's gone, like we talked about. uh, He took the buyout, and I think those numbers would offset. So there's really no reason for him not to sign the veteran minimum in Brooklyn unless he doesn't want to be here, which I think he does based off his press conference. Excuse me, and same thing with Bruce Brown. I think he's pretty much a lock to be back given he's a restricted free agent, and I don't think his market's really going to be crazy. Uh, Jeff Green, I'll put it at... 68% 68% chance he'll be back. <laughs> that's it's a weird number for you, right there, Jack. But I think uh, say 69%. Like, come on, man. <laughs> you know how to keep a PG, Jack. Um, <laughs> 68%. Um, I think you know it's very likely, and I think Kevin Durant probably wants him back. And based off of the moves we've seen Sean Marks make, it would be weird to see him not try to make KD happy and bring a crucial piece back to the team and what Jeff Green did last year and hmm, i think we'll see the spencer do what he trade i think that's just something that seems very likely at this point um and taxpayer mid-level exception will probably go to jeff green in the case that it doesn't i'm honestly not sure who it goes to but i will say i think the nets get at least one steel veteran minimum one guy signs for the vet men maybe it's rudy gay maybe it's somebody else but they get one guy in the vet men that you're like all right that's a good ass signing kind of like jeff green was last year and i think we were pretty excited about that obviously he was even better than we anticipated but i think we could see something along those lines and given the draft and what happened and deandre still being on the roster i think it's more likely to be a winger guard rather than a big at this point
2: yeah maybe it's an otto porter jr of a tomb and a Reza, one of these yeah. sort of guys i wouldn't be surprised but yeah i'm i'm less you know optimistic as this tends to be the case it's, well give me your uh, prediction I'll go 48% with because you you for some reason going with 8% as a as a you some sort of round. You couldn't even no. give
1: him 50. You couldn't even give him 50. No flip. No, I,
2: I, I have to go less because <laughs> you know I'm less optimistic than 50-50. So look, I, I no, know, I know I'm pretty much you know on board with the the rest of your predictions. You know I'll be intrigued to see you know what it is the addition and whether it. Is, I'm intrigued to see if there's another center that's added to this yep. roster as well. Obviously, adding Dayron Sharp. Um, as a, as a big man, we have got Clax as well. You know, if Blake Griffin does resign, you have DeAndre Jordan. That's the fascinating thing to me, obviously, because you know he is essentially ten million dollars of of wasted space because you know he he might play in the regular season, but we know that he's not going to give us anything else. Um, and uh, I'd prefer to see minutes to go to Damon Sharp quite consistently and, and, and immediately uh, for that matter. So there is, is Dwayne Dedman or some, or Cody Zeller or the, any of these other dudes added, you know, in a, in a way that the Charlotte Hornets sort of added, you know, uh, Miles Plumley or Mason Plumley or I get Mason, the yep. Plumleys, Mason, Mason, yep. get The Plumleys and the Zellers and all the brothers mixed up. There's about a million Johnsons in the NBA as well. It's hard to keep up, but there's a, there's a lot of NBA players and, you know, unless they're Brooklyn Nets, I don't care about them as much. Um, Chad, I a question that.
1: for you. Uh, what do you think is more likely, the Nets re-sign Jeff Green or trade DeAndre Jordan?
2: I re signed Jeff Green. Uh, okay. I think that DeAndre Jordan. I thought I think if you had asked me this before draft night, I probably I, I might have said DeAndre Jordan trade, and especially after the Landry Shammer trade as well, I thought that you know that increased the the likelihood of it, given that you know you had an extra um, first round pick in in pick twenty nine to to add to the to the haul. So. I, I think that Jeff Green, despite my, you know, lofty you know, percentages that I've just given, um, I, I still think that there is a, a, a decent likelihood that we do see Jeff uh, back in the black and white. But, you know, if he, if he does go to Milwaukee, I know that you've mentioned salty levels on this podcast before, but um, you know, my uh, sodium levels would certainly increase.
1: Yeah, I agree Uh, that my salty levels would increase for that, too. I'd be a little upset about it, especially with Jeff Green and what he knows what it means in that series for the Nets and how disappointing it was. Jack, I guess another question for you kind of related to some of the Brian Forbes things. If the Nets were to sign him, do you think the likelihood of trading Joe Harris has increased a little bit just given he would be, you know, a three point marksman for the team and maybe they are viewing, you know, trading Joe for another piece?
2: I mean, but what you get in return for Joe, that is because, look, Joe Harris isn't... It feels like, you know, the. I spoke about, you know, the pendulum of Lonzo Ball on the outlet, but the the pendulum of Joe Harris swings back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I I don't want to, you know, totally swing into recency bias, but, you know, Bryn Forbes would probably be a more reliable three-point shooter than Joe Harris in the postseason. But Joe Harris is also... What,
1: More competent four... at pretty much everything else.
2: <laughs> yeah, three or four inches taller, a good driver of the basketball, decent enough defensively, um, even though he had plenty of brain farts in, in the postseason as well. If you get something in return for Joe Harris that is just like, you know, uh, if we get a great wing or, you know, an even better three-point shooter or, or something along those lines, then yeah, all for it. But I, I think that Bryn Forbes is a 10th, you know, 11th man, maybe 9th eight at, at best on this roster so i don't think it really changes things whereas we know and we want joe harris to be you know the the fifth starter or you know at, at the very least just hit a goddamn three when it matters yep. um but you know maybe it's gonna be third time lucky <laughs> this postseason for the Brooklyn nets we'll have to wait and see
1: i got another question for you don't ask me why i have so many questions they weren't prepped in advance uh would you rather see the nets trade joe harris from miles turner or harrison barnes
2: um, poor. I'd probably go Harrison Barnes, and Just I can talk myself
1: into the Kings wanting him because their owner is obsessed with three point shooting. You remember the comments about Steph and Clay, so it's like, yeah. okay, that kind of could be something that's on the table. But go ahead, Jack. Sorry to cut you off.
2: No, no, no. I think it's a, it's a fair point to make. Look, I, I the reason why I say Harrison Barnes is because. I, I think you you know what he can give you in a postseason, and I think that if you know the Nets were to lose Jeff Green, you've got an upgrade in Harrison Barnes. I think he's a good defender. I think he can create his own shot. He has good size to him. Um, you know he can play four and you know play next to Kevin Durant. You know ease the the load of him in the front court. Whereas Miles Turner maybe has more elite skills in terms of his rim protection um, and, and and some a few other things here and there. a Decently point shooter, but. When it comes to the postseason, you know, the, the ultimate goal is going to be, you know, what are you going to be doing for me? Can I rely on you to play, you know, 30 minutes of consistent play? Miles Turner, I could, I'd be questioned. It's not to say that he couldn't yeah. um, in the right matchup. He certainly could. But, you know, Harrison Barnes, you know, you can throw him on, you know, Devin Booker. You can throw him on, you know, LeBron James, maybe Anthony Davis in a pinch and these sort of guys. I, I just think that Harrison Barnes is, you know, the the, the well, narrative... Yeah, he's got versatility. I think that we sort of forget what he did. You know, as the you know, he's a champion as well. He's a championship experience. So, you know, I, I like Harrison Barnes and, and I'm, I'm certainly intrigued by that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, Jack. And I think it could be maybe a dark horse thing and someone that kind of makes sense for the Nets. Any other dark horse trade names? Obviously, we did trade proposals for like seven hours this season. But uh, any other guys that maybe have popped up recently in your brain or even guys in free agency that have kind of caught
2: your eye? to be honest, Nick, no, because there's just been so many goddamn names that are just like, it all amalgamates into just like one. And like, it's just like, wait, who do we speak about on like the free agency targets for like the centers? Who was it again for the guards? Who was it again for the forwards? I, I, I think that like you mentioned earlier, like, there will be one addition that we're surprised by. Maybe that's already happened with Javon Carter, and yep. and that is the guy that we've we've already added to the rotation. And it's just like, okay, cool. There's another guy that you know can hit a three-point shot, can do some secondary playmaking, and provide some Bruce-level pesky, you know, physical defense. Um, but if you add another guy to that, and you know, you have you still have Jeff Green and you retain all the other pieces, then the Nets' rotation looks relatively good in terms of its depth. And I think that. That's something that we gave it a lot of credit for. I'm intrigued to see what happens with Tyler Johnson. I'll throw that out there because as much as, you know, I've a, I've been a big TJ fan, um, some of the times he wasn't given the opportunities and some of the times he just didn't have the size to be able to, you know, prove his capabilities out there. But I'm, I'm intrigued to see what what happens to him, whether he re-signs in a bit minimum because, you know, I would like to see him back. And I thought that he had some good moments as a Brooklyn on that this year. And I think that he, in, in, a, in a pinch... A part of me would be like, you know, I'd rather Tyler Johnson out that than bring fools,
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Tyler Johnson is an interesting guy. I think, honestly, they'll look to upgrade him with a veteran with playoff experience. Maybe even someone who's the same caliber player or less, just somebody who has experience in that situation. But he would also be a guy that's like, hey, we don't get a guy we want. No problem bringing back Tyler Johnson because he's such, you know, it seems like a great locker room guy, um, is willing to play whatever role you need him to play. His game is just limited to being a complimentary player. You know what I mean? Like there's just limits to his game, which isn't the end of the world. You need those type of guys. It just, I think Sean Marks is so focused on making the best roster possible.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) Sorry, Jack, I got another question for you. Uh, In terms of the possible Washington sign and trade, what would be the pieces that you are really looking for for Spencer Dinwiddie, given let's say he signed a $20 million contract and you have to work with Washington? I know ideally both of us would probably prefer a third team.
2: Yeah, uh, Thomas Bryant, I, I, I kind of like Thomas Bryant. I don't think he's amazing, but I think he does some things on the floor where it's just like, hey, we got a Thomas Bryant game and maybe he gives you something in a, in a post-season performance where it's just like, gets you a few buckets. You know, he's a really nice offensive big. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just very anti-Montrez Harrell and maybe yeah. I should look more at, you know, Kyle Kuzman, and what he does on the floor and maybe I should be like, okay, he's not that bad. You know, he's decent defensively. It's just that everything beyond the basketball for Kyle Kuzma and even the basketball itself. Like it seems like he's forgotten some of his offensive game. And I think that's partly due to the situation. And I might see him actually probably perform to a greater extent in Washington, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just very anti Kuz and Trez uh, and very, I I don't know who else. I know I had Davis Bertans, but he was pretty awful this season for the, for the wizards as well. You know, Isaac Bonga is now an unrestricted free agent. You know, to be fair, I wouldn't have minded Bonga on this team.
1: Yeah, no, that was a guy that I think we did mention on the forwards thing. It's just like he doesn't really have the experience for the Nets, but he does have a skill set that is kind of interesting. I mean, I think you look at, I think KCP would be a guy I probably look at. You know, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, Thomas Bryan, I think, is a little bit interesting. It's just a defense and then coming off the torn ACL already not being that laterally quick. Maybe it's just Kuz and KCP. I also heard. Even
2: if it's just KCP, I would be ecstatic because KCP provides a lot of what Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, could use and reliability in the postseason uh, that we have, you know, harped on pot after pot after pot.
1: And I mean, obviously, you don't want to hear this, but I think it makes it a little bit easier to trade Joe Harris too because you have a two guard you can slot into the starting lineup, and he provides you more probably two way ability. Three point shooting is obviously substantially more sporadic, but. Still a good player. I saw a joke, but it kind of made sense and it was kind of funny at the same time. And this also would kind of make Joe Harris more likely to be traded would be if they just took Montrez Harrell and Kyle Kuzman sent it to the Sacramento for Buddy Heald just to kind of like, you know, because that was the deal already lined up with the Lakers. So that'd be kind of something funny. I, obviously, I think there was a pick included as well, but I mean, it, that would be kind of funny.
2: We'll see how it pans out.
1: Jack, anything else we got here?
2: Look, it's uh, we're only days away, Nick. I'm sure that you know when I wake up Tuesday morning, my time, you know, it's not going to be the same enthusiasm that we had a, a couple of years ago. But I'm sure there'll be some level of craziness, and you know, the emotions will be flying. And you know, I'll have to be bringing my uh, this little microphone here, the old blue Yeti, to work and. I
1: I don't know. The kids might have to find a sub that day. No,
2: (laughs) just just chill. Just chill. I want to keep my job, my guy. Come on, please.
1: (laughs) But uh, we'll see what happens. Honestly, I think there'll be a lot of rumors. I think it's going to be pretty crazy just because the how close the draft and free agency are in terms of it just being literally less than 40 hours away from right now and recording this. So it should be fun. And hopefully the Nets are able to add a few more things that really push them over the top. I still think, like you said earlier, Jack, they run back the same team. That's the favorite to win it all, regardless of what Las Vegas says about the Lakers. Um, <laughs> we could go into that another day. So it should be fun. It should be interesting. And I also think, you know, you probably have to be a little bit patient in terms of what the Nets do, because typically the smaller guys sign a little bit later on. You see a lot of the big names go on that first day.
2: Yeah, I've got a lot of waiting memes and waiting gifts in my draft. So, you know, I'll probably post a couple of them over the next however many days and weeks uh, this free agency drags on for the Brooklyn Nets.